Ladies and gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas Oddsmaker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence! And now, let's get it on! Against the spread, Winning Picks with Mark Lawrence! Welcome back, everybody. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King. And we're set to go against the spread on this post-Thanksgiving Day weekend of college and pro football games on tap this week as we head into the month of December, the final stretch drive of the National Football League season. College football has its college football conference games locked and loaded for this weekend as we're just two weeks away from divulging who the final four teams will be in this year's college football playoffs. And Victor, before we get into the games, first question I asked to ask of you, how was your Thanksgiving holiday? Oh, outstanding. You know, we have a little bit of a Spanish flair in our house. Uh, I'm married to a woman uh, who is of Colombian heritage. So a lot of relatives over on Sunday, excuse me, on Thursday, uh, some great Spanish delicacies. And, you know, for us, it was the three F's of Turkey Day. And I'm talking food, fun, and favorites in the NFL who win a perfect 3-0 on Turkey Day as well. <laughs> I'm sure we'll hit those in the NFL segment. But overall, uh, a lot of fun, uh, very enjoyable. And how was yours, Mark? Uh, just as well, Victor. We were with the granddaughter. We watched a lot of football and ate a lot of pumpkin pie with extra whipped cream. So that's quite a recipe that I always look forward to once a year and had a great time. <laughs> I appreciate that. Despite the fact, as you mentioned, that it was three favorites on Thanksgiving Turkey Day Thursday. But nonetheless, as you said, we'll hit on that in our NFL portion of the opening segment of the show. But it was all in all a real nice Thanksgiving holiday. I appreciate that. Thank you. And with that, let's right. turn over to the what's going on in the world of college football these days. And we're down to the penultimate week of college football rankings for the college football playoffs. And uh, not much of a shakeup, per se, just given the fact that, uh, well, I guess there would be, given the fact that Alabama is no longer number one. They've fallen out of the top four rankings because of the Auburn upset over the Tide last week. We've got a new number one, that being last year's defending national champion Clemson Tigers, who assume uh, the pole position right now along with Auburn, number two, Oklahoma, number three, and undefeated Wisconsin, number four, as we head into these college football conference playoffs this weekend. And one interesting note, Victor, about these college football conference playoffs this weekend, uh, or I should say two notes. Number one, of the top eight teams in the college football rankings, only Alabama will not be playing in a conference championship game this weekend. All the other seven teams will, so the positioning will obviously be readjusted, and it could end up being very controversial, which leaves Alabama in a sort of an uncomfortable, out-of-control situation. They're sitting number five on the outside looking in, so the question becomes, can they get into the playoffs despite what will happen with the uh, other teams and what they do in their college conference championship games? Your take, Victor, will we see Alabama in this year's college football playoffs? That is the question. Will them not playing in a conference championship game benefit them or will it hurt them? Before we potentially answer the question, we got to acknowledge that uh, your 10-star game of the year was indeed on Auburn plus the points over Alabama, a game in which, uh, in regards to the point spread, Auburn was 
pretty much ahead the entire game. So a very, very nice 10-star Game of the Year winner. The Playbook Newsletter uh, kicked some booty last weekend as well, going 6-1 and one in best bets for a very, very nice profit. Uh, the newsletter, of course, heating up as we head into the bowl game period. But uh, you mentioned the college football playoff rankings. This is the second week in college football history that four AP top 10 matchups uh, involved teams in the top 10. The last time was back in 1973. Uh, I know that if you're an Ohio State fan, I think the Alabama loss pretty much eliminates the Buckeyes from making the final four because if the Buckeyes would uh, take down Wisconsin this week in the Big Ten Championship game, if you ask me, it's Alabama who would move into the top four and not Ohio State. So I think the fact that Auburn did upset Alabama uh, was not the best thing in the world for the Ohio State Buckeyes uh, as they take on Wisconsin this week in the Big Ten Championship. Yeah, that's an interesting note because if Ohio State were to beat Wisconsin this week, their case would be similar, identical to Penn State last year, who won the Big right. Twelve or the Big Ten Conference Championship, but had two losses and couldn't forge their way into the conference uh, or the college football playoffs. It would be the same case for Ohio State, a Big Ten champion with two losses, not making it to the college football playoffs. Other scenarios that we have to take a look at is what happens if TCU beats Oklahoma. Then you have a two-loss Oklahoma team, which would probably be on the outside looking in, as well as a two-loss TCU team, which would almost leave the Big 12 empty in that case, right. if you take it from that standpoint. And what if Miami beats Clemson? Then you have a two-loss Clemson team currently ranked number one. Would they slip and stay at number four and thus become the first two-loss team to make it? Maybe so. That could well be the case, but Miami could argue their case that they're number w only one loss, and they just beat a number one ranked team. And then what happens if Georgia beats Auburn? Auburn obviously out with three losses. Does Georgia have enough mustard, enough stones to crack into the top four? They're currently sitting at number six. So there's a lot of intrigue that's going to happen this weekend in the college football conference uh, championship games. And uh, what it's going to end up doing, Victor, is I think it's going to end at the bottom line is – uh, paving the way, hopefully, for an eight-team tournament. Mm -hmm. And I hope it's next year, sooner than later, much sooner than later, because uh, it would then allow the teams like Central Florida an opportunity to play in uh, the college football playoffs. And uh, when we get in with Andy Isco in the show this week, we're going to talk a little bit more about what this playoff system is all about as it is today as opposed to what it should be. But an eight-team playoff would make, you know, would also serve very well for the teams of like uh, central Florida, the teams from the group of five would at least have a one entry into the playoffs. And then one other note here, Victor, before I move off into the NFL side of things, I mentioned that there are seven rematches in the conference championship games this week. That is head and shoulders by far more than twice as many as there have ever been before. The highest amount of same season rematches was three. It's happened three times or there've been three times Three different teams playing with same-season rematches this year. Seven of them, seven of the nine games, involve same-season rematches. And by the way, this from the Playbook Football Newsletter in our Smart Box column this week inside the Smart Box, there have been 30, a total of 30 same-season rematches in college football conference championship games. The team that had the revenge chip on their shoulder, they've gone 12-18 and 18 straight up and 13-17 and 17 to the spread. Maybe not good winning point spread numbers, but... The fact of the matter is 
They've won 12 of those 30 games in the rematch, so it's very, very difficult to knock a team out two times in the same season. One other quick thought here, Victor, before we get over the NFL side of things, is the college football coaching landscape and what's going on in the college football coaching scene. We saw Chip Kelly sign on with UCLA. That appears to be a great hire, at least on paper. Chip Kelly signing a contract who, by the way, this is his third contract that he signed, uh, and he's he's making a hundred million dollars, a hundred million dollars <laughs> in contracts for Chip Kelly, who's really only won one time. That was it with those Oregon football teams. But nonetheless, there's a <laughs> there's an attraction to Chip Kelly, and I think he will serve UCLA well. Uh, and there's also been other numerous changes. Your thoughts, quick, quickly, Victor, on the college football coaching carousel as we see any other major surprises that you see coming down the road. How many teams are actually paying Chip Kelly money right now? Oregon, are they still paying him money? Philadelphia Eagles, San Francisco 49ers? Who knows? Well, Either way, the Bruins yep. are ecstatic. They're absolutely they, ecstatic, you know. I mean, you know, and I'm sure some of these new contracts had to do cases of buyouts where he didn't receive the full $100 million, but nonetheless, <laughs> uh, he's not right, hurting, hurting these days. He goes to the Pac-12 South as well. It's no murderer's row. It's not like the North. They've produced zero playoff teams and zero league champions since 2008. It's there for the taking uh, for Kelly. Uh, it was Florida's number one guy, but I think Florida is okay with who they got, even though they kind of got their third choice as well in Dan Mullen. They couldn't get Scott Frost out of Central Florida. They couldn't get Chip Kelly. But Dan Mullen, I'm not going to say fell into their laps, but he did – some great work in his nine years at Mississippi State. He's being basically rewarded with a a Cadillac job up there in Gainesville. And he's coming back to a school that he knows from his time as an assistant. He's working for an athletic director that he knows from their time together in Starkville. Uh, and uh, it turned out to be a very, very good hire for Florida. If there's another team that you ask me turns out to be a winner in this situation, it might be Nebraska. Maybe they have uh, outmaneuvered Florida for the coach they wanted all along. You know, when the Gators couldn't land uh, Scott Frost, it kind of spiked that speculation that he would, you know, rather come home to his alma mater and try to resurrect the Cornhuskers. Of course, uh, we won't know for sure until Central Florida plays their AAC championship game. And since you did mention that game, let me throw out one thing in regards to that Big, big game against uh, Memphis for the AAC championship. It's basically a home game for the Knights uh, being, being played in Orlando. But from an over-under perspective, it's the highest over-under line in any championship game. It opened at 81. Last time I looked this morning, it's 82 to 83 points. It's approaching 85 points, which is an amazing total in college football, let alone in the conference championship game. And since 2005... Only 10 of 10,259 college football games have had an over-under line of greater than 85 points. And the way the line's moving, this could be number 11. Well, interesting note from Victor King at King Creole Sports. Keep an eye on the college football totals as well with these college football conference championship games. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And with that, Victor, let's move over to the NFL side of things here, where if the NFL playoffs were to begin this week, this would be the listing 
of the teams that would be in and out of the NFL playoffs. On the AFC side of things, number one seed, Pittsburgh Steelers. Number two, the New England Patriots. Followed by number three, Tennessee. Number four, Kansas City. Number five, Jacksonville. And number six, Baltimore. With Buffalo and Cincinnati and the Chargers all just on the outside looking in. Over on the NFC side of things, it would be number one, Red Hot Philadelphia Eagles, the number one seed, followed by number two, Minnesota. Number three, the L.A. Rams, then followed by New Orleans, Carolina, and Atlanta rounding out the NFC side of things with Seattle just on the outside looking in as well. And out of all this, Victor, I think what I make the most of this is the fact that in the AFC as it looks to be as down and weak as it's ever been. If you take a look at uh, Tennessee, number three, Kansas City, number four, swirling mm-hmm. as they are, uh, uh, you know, Jacksonville deserve it, but Baltimore, number six, it looks like the AFC is really down this year, and it looks like the uh, NFC is going to hold an edge over them come playoff time, other than the fact that if New England makes the playoffs this year, your take, Victor, on what we're seeing is potential NFL playoff scenarios this year. I agree with that assessment of the AFC. Top heavy, yes, with New England and Pittsburgh at 9-2, but bottom feeding for the rest of the teams that are fighting for those last few playoff spots in the AFC. Uh, As we mentioned at the top of the show, man, oh man, another great week for favorites in the NFL. 3-0 on Thanksgiving, 12-4 overall for favorites. Again, if you're laying the points, if you're a chalk player, you're in chalk heaven over the last five weeks, that is for sure. At least, uh, and we may touch on this in the Andy Isco segment, at least the favorites went 0-2 in the Sunday night and Monday night games to probably get a little bit back for the books. But favorites now in the last six weeks, 53, 24-6 in the NFL, amazing 69%. Meanwhile, over-unders, guys like me that play the totals, they're chugging along at 41-42 and 42 over the same six-week period. The same amount of overs as unders, basically. Uh, this from ESPN. The month of November, in which favorites went 37, 15, and 4 in the ATS. The best calendar month for favorites in the Super Bowl era since 1966. Well, it's very interesting uh, <laughs> the way favorites have performed in the national. And what, what, what month was that, Victor? The, the most recent month, you're saying? November? Uh, right. The most recent month of November in which favorites went 37 and 15 for best month since 1966. Oh, that's amazing. That's uh, what it's been all about in the National Football League this year. The chalk barking heavily as we're approaching uh, the month of December, the final stretch month of December coming up. We'll see whether or not the favorites can maintain that torrid pace that they've been on. Before we close out the segment here, our nominated chip-on-the-shoulder play in the National Football League from our good friend Steve Crabb, the Texas Tornado in Dallas, Texas. He nominates the Minnesota Vikings as being the team with the chip on their shoulder. And you're talking about maybe so much a chip from the fact that they're one of the hottest teams in the National Football League dressing up as a dog this week. He's going to nominate Minnesota and their terrific defense as NFL chip-on-the-shoulder play this week. By the way, these chip-on-the-shoulder plays have gone 13-8. and the past two years. Keep an eye on the Minnesota Vikings. In fact, we're going to talk a little bit more about them in our NFL featured Game of the Week segment a bit later on in the show today. Don't go away, guys. When we come back, Victor and I are going to tear down our college football game of the week. We've got a college football conference championship game you're going to want to hear all about. That and a whole lot more to come here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Hey, sports fans, football season is here, and it's time to get in on the action. 
MyBookie.ag is an industry-leading website that offers odds and action on your favorite games. Take advantage of the MyBookie specials before they're gone. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or visit us online at mybookie.ag to open an account. Pull out your smartphone to sign up with our user-friendly mobile site for on-the-go action. What are you waiting for? Come join mybookie.ag today. Call toll-free at 844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Only the biggest, only the best, only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today. Have your morning coffee with Mark Lawrence each day when you join his all-new coffee club. Delivered in your email box the very first thing every morning, Mark shares with you his first take on the daily sports scene, ranging from top situational plays to handicapping tips and commentary from fellow coffee club members. It's a quick must-read for the serious sports fan. Join the coffee club today at playbook.com and have your morning coffee with Mark each and every day. You'll be glad you did. Hey guys, welcome back once again. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King. We're going against the spread on this week's college and pro football cards. And it's time for the college football conference championship games this weekend. With that, we're going to tear down the ACC championship game between top-ranked Clemson and the Miami of Florida Hurricanes here in our backyard. Victor, your take on the Hurricanes and the Tigers this Saturday. Of course, Clemson improved three spots, as you mentioned, now number one in the country with their 11-1 and one ranking uh, with Miami's uh, very surprising Friday loss to Pitt. They fell all the way down to their current ranking of number seven, five spots down. And it doesn't look for good for Miami to get back into the top four, perhaps even with a win in this game, that is for sure. Now, in terms of the over-under line, it opened at 48. It's down to about 46 and a half. It's come down a full point and a half in the last day or so. And with pretty good reason, we got two of the better under teams in college football squaring off in the ACC championship. Of course, uh, Bank of America Stadium, Charlotte, North Carolina, Miami comes in two and nine over under on the season. They're the number three under team or rather tied for the third best under team in all of college football. The only two teams who have had better under records for the entire season, Akron, who of course is playing in the uh, MAC championship game, and Wyoming, who both went 2-10 and ten over under this season. We also note that Miami in their eight conference games this year only had one over and seven games went under the total. So that low over under line, 46.5, certainly justifiable, at least on the Miami side of things. Average line, 55 in Miami games. Average combined points, 50.2. So their games have gone under by about five points per game on average for the season. They do have that bend but don't break defense, number 14 stat-wise, excuse me, number 41 stat-wise, allowing 362 yards per game, but number 14 in scoring defense. That's what I talk about, bend but don't break. They're not allowing opponents to get into the uh, end zone when they reach the red zone, allowing only 18.3 points per game. Miami, outstanding defense. Clemson has been a good under team this season as well. 67% of their games have gone under the total. Four and eight over under 
including uh, three and six in conference play for the Clemson Tigers. Average line 52.4, average score 48.8. So the average Clemson game has gone under by about three and a half points per game. Now, these teams, they don't play each other every year, but we will note the last four meetings of this series have indeed gone a perfect 4-0 and to the over with an average line of 48.7, average score of 62. And, of course, that includes the most recent meeting, and that's when these two teams played each other back in 2015, I believe it was, when Clemson routed Miami 58-0. to For totals players, Clemson did all the heavy lifting on their own in that game, a game that uh, did go over the total. What's going to happen this week? Well, you know, Miami's never won an ACC title. Clemson has won 16 of them. Miami's offense is floundering a little, particularly during this month of November. They're 10th in the ACC in November offensive production. And, of course, they're taking on a Clemson defense that leads the league in November and overall. I like the under in this game. Although at 46 and a half, we're starting to eliminate some of the value. We've got this game finishing somewhere around the 24 to 17 range. So we got anywhere from about 40 to 44 combined points. We may draw the line at 45, anything higher than that. And I think there's some value on the under. But if it gets lower than that, we're going to have to pass in the ACC championship game. Victor likes the underside of the football game, looking for some value in the football contest here. A matchup between Miami of Florida and Clemson in the big ACC showdown football game. The chain gang from Miami of Florida comes into this contest here uh, off that brutal loss to Pittsburgh. In fact, it was their only loss of the football season here. This is a matchup of two one-loss teams. Miami of Florida and Clemson. Clemson's only loss this year was at Syracuse, and it makes me kind of pause and wonder if Miami wasn't upset at Pittsburgh last week, what would the line in this game be? We'd still find Clemson the favorite, a one-loss Clemson team favorite over an undefeated Miami of Florida football team as Miami's been disrespected all football season long. And it's also interesting to note that they've only had one loss or had only one loss by more than seven points under Mark Richt until they went into Pittsburgh last week. In fact, they've only lost one game by more than 10 points since Richt has been with the Hurricanes here. From our database, we note that ACC championship game dogs of seven or more points are 4-1 to the spread all time in this conference championship event. Miami playing with revenge from a 58 to nothing embarrassing loss they suffered to Clemson the last time they met two years ago. The Clemson Tigers, the new number one ranked team in the world of college football these days, comes in off Dabo Swinney's 100th career victory in that route over South Carolina Saturday night. And I think that route was spurred by the fact that Alabama lost their football game earlier in the day. Clemson went into that contest knowing a win would vault them to number one. That was the big effort they put forth in that South Carolina football game. The question is, can they put back-to-back big efforts together in this contest? We do know that defending national champions, as the Clemson Tigers are, are just 4-3 and three straight up and 2-5 and five to the spread in college conference championship games. 0-4 oh to the spread if they're not favored by 14 or more points. Kind of a big hurdle for Clemson to have to get over here, being the defending national champion that they are. In ACC title games... We're talking about 
Clemson being in four of them. They've won three of the four times they've been in ACC title games, but only one win by more than eight points. The bottom line to me in this football game is you're talking about, uh, from our database, 800 or better teams in college conference championship games that are off straight-up favorite losses, as is the case for Miami in this football game. They're a perfect 8-0 straight up, having won every game straight up when reeling off a straight-up favorite loss, going 5-2-1 and one to the spread. In fact, having dressed up as dogs two times and winning both of those games straight up as well. I'll grab the points with Miami playing with a big chip on their shoulder in this football game for my side in the ACC Conference Championship game this Saturday. Don't go away, guys. Victor and I, when we come back, we're going to tear down our NFL Game of the Week. we got a beauty in the NFC Conference between the Vikings and the Falcons. We'll do that and hop out to Las Vegas and check in with Andy Isco to get the Vegas Five. That and a whole lot more to come when we're back with more on Mark Lawrence against the spread. Attention sports fans, it's time to get in on all the football action at mybookie.ag. This industry-leading website is renowned for having the best odds and more betting options than any other sports book online. This is why Mark Lawrence only endorses mybookie.ag. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Get the odds you want and the fast payouts you need guaranteed that's my bookie as an apple and g as in games tell them mark lawrence sent you only the biggest only the best only at mybookie.ag. sign up today the only football newsletter in america devoted exclusively to nfl over under totals the totals tip sheet is a must read if you're serious about adding extra income to your bankroll this football season get exclusive insight on the overs and unders from victor king the nfl totals guru at playbook.com the totals tip sheet has got you totally covered this football season it's the best reference source of its kind in the nation get your totals tip sheet today at playbook.com and enjoy the winners. Welcome back, everybody. Mark Lawrence, along with Victor King, as we go against the spread on this weekend's college and NFL side of things. We're going to get into our NFL game of the week in just a quick moment here. But before we do, Victor, I want to run this by you. There was a big article in Wednesday's USA Today about the Supreme Court meeting next week to overturn the federal law, the PASPA law, about uh, legalizing sports gambling nationwide as opposed to just in the state of Nevada. A very favorable article in the USA Today about outlining everything and how states are getting in place right now. A multitude of different states are getting their house in order, getting ready for either the overturn of this federal law by the Supreme Court or at least the repeal of it, if it, in fact it doesn't happen in the Supreme Court level, at least at a statewide level. Victor, you're taking what we read in the USA Today on this article. Absolutely. We'll discuss what the issue actually is. Maybe uh, we'll get your feedback. But uh, it's kind of fitting that uh, with sports gaming taking front and center this weekend, conference championship games in the NCAA, NFL heading into its final month of the regular season, NBA, college basketball heating up that the biggest story could actually be in the courts. And, of course, that is the United States Supreme Court, the highest court in our land. And uh, 
this is a court that you, you could probably count the amount of sports-related cases that they have seen or heard on one hand, and you can basically add one to the short list. As this coming Monday, the court will hear the oral arguments in the Christie versus NCAA. It's a final attempt by the state of New Jersey and its outgoing governor, Chris Christie, to overturn lower court rulings and legalize sports betting in the state of New Jersey. The Supreme Court will basically weigh the constitutionality of the Professional and Amateur Sports Protection Act, also known as PASPA, a 1992 statute that basically bars states from implementing sports gambling with the exception of the state of Nevada and a couple of other grandfather states who had pre-existing sports betting and basically were allowed to continue. This has been a years-long battle in an attempt to rejuvenate some of the economy there in New Jersey and juice some of the flagging casino activity in Atlantic City. Of course, uh, they've lost in two previous lower court cases. And back in May, Mark, when the United States Solicitor General recommended the Supreme Court not take the case, most legal experts, they thought that it was a foregone conclusion that Christie and the state of New Jersey had run out of their legal options. And then against all odds, and we may have touched on this in the very beginning of the season, for reasons known only to the Supreme Court justices, they chose to actually hear the case. Christie versus NCAA, a case that would have dramatic effects on the NFL and other sports leagues. That'll take place on Monday. Oral arguments. Of course, we're going to have all-star attorneys on each side. There's not going to be any sort of an actual ruling until spring, maybe even early summer. But again, if you are uh, of a mindset that you should be free to go anywhere you want, your local casino, and make a legalized sports wager, then this is a case that uh, you should definitely be listening to and watching for when the arguments begin on Monday. Uh, That is for sure. Of course, there are other issues involved. What is fantasy sports, season-long, daily versions, DraftKings, FanDuel. As you know, some of the commissioners have come out in favor of legalized and monitored and federally taxed sports wagering. Of course, the NBA commissioner uh, uh, heading the list. How will it impact the NFL? Who knows? But again, this is as big as it gets in terms of sports gaming. And the reality is, Mark, is that people got to wake up and face the fact that our gaming laws today are functionally unenforceable. Within minutes, any American can engage in sports betting from their phone, from offshore betting accounts. And that was never, ever contemplated when they passed this PASPA law back in 1992. So there's a lot of work to be get done, but this is as big of an issue that us sports gamers have seen ever, and it's going all the way up to the highest court in the land. It sure is, Victor, and I'm excited about it, as I'm sure you are and all of our listeners are as well. This is really, really long overdue, and I think the key word in everything that you just surmised is the fact that uh, if this were able to overturn this PASPA Act and become uh, no longer federally illegal, federally taxed revenue would begin to generate. And that's exactly what it's all about. These states generating in extra income and extra revenue, uh, much like the days of prohibition. This is the time in prohibition. The only people that made money in prohibition 
were the crime lords. Right. They were the ones that controlled alcohol. And it's the same thing right now. The people that are largely making money are the mob, the mafia per se, uh, the crime lords, if you will, the offshore people. They're the ones that are reeling in the dollars. Uh, the people in Vegas, they do their share of business and everything, but it, it's minuscule compared to what's being happened illegally in the world of sports betting. And uh, there could be a lot of good things that can happen from this. And I do know this, uh, just listening to Jimmy Vaccaro talking in Las Vegas, uh, they have had visits from multiple, multiple different people from different states into the, uh, Nevada, checking out their operation to see exactly how things are being run when it comes to uh, dotting the I's and crossing the T's and doing everything that needs to be done to run a clean sports book. And they're learning from that. They're, everybody, All these states are ready to pull the switch. They're, they'll be in place and ready to go in 2018 if this passes. So there's a lot of good positive things that I think are on the horizon, and we're going to see this. We're going to keep our fingers crossed and hope that the Supreme Court uh, overturns this law, and if they don't, uh, you know, it'll then turn to the states, the states to states to, to repeal this ban, if you will, and uh, fight them individually as states rather than collectively in a, on a federal level. But all in all, it's good news, I think, for our industry and good news for everybody listening to the show. Go Supreme Court. We hope that they hear what we're saying and uh, that everything comes good out of what happens next week when the Supreme Court visits this PASPA law. Now, Victor, with that, let's move over to our NFL game of the week, and we'll talk about a big NFC conference game when Minnesota takes in Atlanta. Minnesota currently the number two seed in the NFL playoff rankings. Atlanta uh, coming in also as a seeded team in the NFL playoffs. Number six seed, possible playoff preview between the Vikings and the Falcons. How do you see this one shaking out? Well, you got that right about a possible playoff preview. I like the way Atlanta's been playing lately. And, of course, Minnesota, 9-2 and two on the season, simply outstanding. Now, from a totals perspective, it opened 47.5. I'm showing it somewhere around 47 points right now. It's come down, oh, about a half point. It's the third highest over underline of this weekend, 16 NFL games. Again, right around 47 points. The fact also that the Falcons are favored by 2.5 to 3 points a very short home favorite, plays into how we're going to bet this game from an over-under perspective as well in a minute. I'll get to that. Uh, Vikings 6-5 and over-under on the season. That includes 3-2 and two on the road with an average of 48.4 points in Minnesota's road games this season. Atlanta, of course, they were the dream over team last season. We all know that. We bet them all over almost every week. They went 16-2-1, including the playoffs at 16 overs. Two unders hasn't been the same this season for Atlanta. There's been value going the other way, and they've gone five and six over under this season. That includes two and three over under at home with only 44.4 points per game average. In terms of series history, the last six meetings between these two teams have gone one and five over under. They've been pretty low scoring. Average line, 43.2. Average score, 40.8. However, they haven't played in the last two seasons. Their last meeting was back in 2015. In terms of offensive production, Minnesota comes in number eight in scoring offense, 24.6 points per game. Number five in overall offense, 376 yards per game. And that's a wonderful improvement of 60 yards per game compared to last year. For the Minnesota Vikings, they had now scored 24 or more points in each of their last five games. 
For the Falcons, yes, they've dropped off a little bit on offense this season, number 11 in scoring offense, 24.1. That's about nine points per game less than last year. Number six in overall offense. They're still at 374 yards per game. Not bad, but it is 45 yards per game less than last season. Again, I like the way they're playing lately. Their offense is getting into that groove. You saw that big uh, production game from Julio Jones last weekend in the win over Tampa. They've now scored 27 or more points in each of their last three games. That's Atlanta. That's 31.7 as an average. And for that reason, I'm liking this game, and I'll recommend a play on the over at any line that's under 49 points. Game 12, this is a good week of the season for overs between winning teams, 10-2 and over-under since 2012. Game 12, non-division games between two winning teams. That'll be the case this week. And finally, from our database, I always like looking at potential overs when the point spread is very short, three or less points. Whenever you see an NFL game with a low point spread like that, the chances are, A, it could be a shootout. B, it could come down to the very last possession. A back-and-forth type game, if you will. So in the last three years, NFC, non-division games, in which the line is three or less points, have gone 27-10 and 10 to the over. That's 27 overs, only 10 unders, when the over-under line is greater than 44 points. So we're talking about games that are expected to be a little higher scoring than normal. Of course, the average NFL line is 45 and a half. So there you have it, 27 and 10 to the over in the last three years. These games have improved to 15 and 3 to the over when both teams come in off a win in their last game. And that is the case last week with Minnesota winning on Turkey Day and going over the total against Detroit. Atlanta winning on Sunday against Tampa Bay, also going over the total at home. So we're looking for some points this week with Minnesota takes on Atlanta in what should be one of the most exciting games of the weekend. Victor likes the over total in the Falcons-Vikings football game in this possible playoff preview showdown game on Sunday. Minnesota comes in riding with a big, fat three-game lead in the NFC North, currently on a seven-game winning streak. Only Philadelphia, eight in a row, has more right now as we currently speak here. Only one road loss this year by the Minnesota Vikings. That's a true testament to a good quality playoff caliber type football team. That one loss was at Pittsburgh this football season here. And just as important, inside the stats, Minnesota has outyarded 10 of their 11 opponents they've played this year. They've lost in the yards only one time this football season. So they're getting the job done between the trenches on the field where it counts. And it's resulting in victories for the Minnesota Vikings this football season. The Atlanta Falcons come in having won and covered each of the last three games in a row. And in fact, if you go back to their game since the bye week, they've turned the ball over only seven times in seven football games. That's a real key indicator to a football team that's playing well with only seven turnovers by the Falcons in their last seven football games. Their offense finally came alive last week when they put up 516 yards of total offense against Tampa Bay. Uh, that was only the second time this year that they've cracked 400 yards in total offense, so they may be peaking at the right time right now. 
the Atlanta Falcons here. Quarterback Matt Ryan has really excelled in the month of December, especially in non-division games where he's 14-5 and against the spread. The bottom line to me, much like a playoff football game, two quality football teams, I'm going to look to the better defense in this football contest, that being the Minnesota Vikings. And I can't overlook the fact that Mike Zimmer, the Minnesota head coach, has shined in his career in non-division football games. He's gone 30-8. and against the spread, including 7-1, and one, straight up and against the spread, Mike Zimmer against NFC South opponents. I'll side with the Minnesota Vikings plus the points for my side in this big NFC football showdown on Sunday. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show, and it's time for one of the most popular segments on the show as we hop out to Las Vegas and check with our good friend Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. Andy, I know quite a bit is going on right now these days in Las Vegas with the college football season winding down with the conference championship games, the NFL heading into the final stretch run, NBA full swing, college basketball going on, NHL. As I mentioned to you last week, my question again to you is are you getting any sleep these days? Actually, uh, I keep waiting for the day when there's going to turn it into a 24-hour day because I could use the, not just the extra sleep, but the extra time in getting prepared to uh, deal with the day's activities, the week's activities, and keep up to date on what has already happened. It's uh, almost unprecedented the amount of sports activity that we have going on with the early start of the NBA and the full onslaught of college basketball that's uh, taken place. I don't remember a year where we've had so many college basketball games just within the first uh, two, three weeks of the season, yet here we are, and uh, we're already seeing some attractive matchups, and of course, in college football, uh, showdown Saturday coming up this week, and that'll make for some interesting television on Sunday when we hear what the committee does, as there are many more scenarios in play this year than I think we've seen in the first three years of the uh, CFP, and by the way, let's tell it like it is, it's not a college football playoff, it's a college football invitational, you have to be invited to participate, you don't necessarily play your way in. I was going to ask you about that, Andy. I know you hit on this in your uh, in your newsletter, thelogicalapproach.com. You can check out Andy's Logical Approach football newsletter each week. Great, interesting read. And he hit on the fact that uh, this is indeed a college football invitational tournament, not a playoff. And uh, your, your, your theory, Andy, behind all this is basically it's nothing more than a plus one concept. And for our listeners out there that maybe not have heard that jargon, a plus one concept, if you would let us know what you meant by that. Well, effectively, it goes back to the days of the BCS and even preceding the BCS when uh, there was a a cluster of talk about now that the bowl season is over, let's find the two most deserving teams and play for what we would call a a national champion. Uh, That really didn't go anywhere. It was discussed. Uh, The college football playoff, in effect, does that same thing, have a plus one. The only difference is the four teams that are participating, the two games have already been determined as to which two games will produce the two teams that will play for what's still a so-called national uh, champion. Now, the reason why it's not a playoff but only an invitational, first of all, you can't leave out uh, a fifth power conference team. If you're a major power conference, you uh, deserve the right to be in position to play for the national championship. Uh, as far as the the way the thing is currently constructed, it's unlike the NFL. The NFL, you've got eight divisions. You've got your division winners qualifying for the postseason. Boom, that's it. You had a few wild cards. 
I think you need to do something like that in college football. I'll be talking about that or writing about it in next week's newsletter, but I don't see too far in the future where we end up having yet a third division in college football. We had the old 1A, 1AA. Now, of course, it's FCS and FBS, which, by the way, is another way that the uh, college football powers like to confuse us by saying FCS football <laughs> championship. That's the smaller schools. That's the uh, the old 1AA where they just started their playoffs with the 24 teams last week. I think we're going to end up seeing a situation in the major power conferences. Ultimately, four major conferences of 16 teams each. That will leave four divisions of, uh, uh, of four teams each in each conference. You'll end up basically, I think, if it works out, you'll need uh, four weeks to have a championship starting with the uh, 16 games that comprise the uh, finals of each division in each of the four conferences. So, Andy, that would then, in, in essence, mean a shorter schedule, a regular season schedule, maybe a 10 or 11 game schedule to uh, be able to allow for these extra conference uh, or what we would call postseason games. And it would also would it incorporate then the group of five teams in amongst with what we now recognize as the power five teams to form this these four big leagues. Is that what you're saying? I'm not sure if it would include a, an extra one of those non-Power 5 teams in there because I think they're going to separate themselves and they may end up having their own form of some sort of playoffs. So it seems to work for the, the FCS schools uh, that's gained in popularity. In fact, uh, the, even last week with the opening round uh, that trimmed the field from 24 to 16. They had size and totals up at a number of sports books, both here and offshore. So uh, it's gained in popularity. And of course, it's a lot more content for uh, the ESPNs of the world and the uh, Foxes, et cetera, the CBSs who telecast these games. Uh, but what I would envision seeing is that perhaps you would cut back from a 12-game regular season schedule to perhaps a 10 or an 11-game regular season schedule, uh, although you still could play 12 games because the playoffs, in theory, could start around the middle of December, let's say December 15th, where most of the colleges are already on winter break or just about to be on winter break. So, you know, if you end up, say, starting on the 15th, you'd have 16 games, then you'd have the 22nd, then you'd have the 29th, and then you'd have the 5th of January. So it, it would fit right in effectively with the existing bowl structure. Uh, it's just that instead of having uh, 84, Four teams play in bowl games, you might have just 16, although I could see a scenario where you would still have those minor uh, bowl games in there as well because uh, you, you can incorporate the major bowls into the playoff structure if you wanted to have those games at neutral sites, uh, but certainly uh, you could still have some of the other bowl games because, again, there's still such an appetite for TV viewership that I think there'd uh, still be plenty of ratings and plenty of money to go around that you could incorporate a playoff system within or without destroying or totally eliminating the current bowl uh, structure. Lots of good possible news in the horizon here between the uh, Supreme Court hearing the PASPA over possible overturning of that law and expanding the world of college football playoffs. A lot to like about what's going on in the National Football League and college football scenes these days. We're visiting with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas, getting his overview on what's going on in the world of football. And with that, Andy, let's hop over to the Superbook Contest. I know we're winding down to the final month of the Superbook Contest, and uh, last week, you can, if you would bring us up to date on what happened, did the consensus fare well or not? But I know one thing for sure, it was another powerful week for favorites in the contest. 
Yeah, the consensus last week went three and two, uh, but there's a little bit of an asterisk there because two of the five teams in the consensus played one another. Uh, the Rams uh, were the number four choice. The Saints were the number two choice. The Rams won that, and the Saints, of course, did not. So that was one and one. Uh, the uh, other two consensus plays winners were the Panthers uh, over the Jets and the Titans over the Colts. Uh, the line in that game was three, and of course the Titans came back to win by four. And the one consensus, the other consensus play that uh, did not come up uh, as a winner were the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, laying five and a half to the Arizona Cardinals. So for the year, uh, the consensus plays now 25 and 35. That's uh, just under 42%. It's been another bad year for the consensus plays, and that's not all that of a surprise considering how favorites have done over the past uh, six weeks. I think the favorites are uh, well over 65% just going back over the last uh, six weeks, dating back to I think it was week seven through 12. Uh, when the favorite team, that doesn't necessarily hold true to, uh, the, uh, con- to the contest, when the Favorite team in a game has been the preferred selection of the contestants. Last week, yes, 6-2-1, and one, but overall for the season, 45-52-3. When the underdog in the game has been the preferred side in the contest, 1-6 last week, and now 28-41-2 for the season. In games in which there were pick'em lines, the contestants were correct in three out of four, and there was one game where that was an even split between the contestants, the same number selecting each side in the game. Uh, so that game is ex- excluded from the results of how the contestants have done so far this year. Overall, 76 winners, 94 losses, five contests ended up in pushes. That's a shade under 45% for uh, 12 weeks into the uh, 17-week contest. Overall, the consensus, 25 and 35 struggling on the season in the Superbook contest this year, according to Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. What about the gold contest side of things, Andy, here? Any big news as far as the gold is concerned? Uh, I understand in the in the, uh, in the main contest, the leader, correct me if I'm wrong, went 0-5 in the gold contest. Is that correct this past week? I think it was either 0-5 or 0-4-1. In, 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 yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, in the gold contest, yes, I believe that is correct. In fact, we have a new leader in the gold contest. Let me start with the regular contest where the leader is 40-17-3. That's 41.5 points, which translates to 69.2% out of the uh, first uh, 60 picks that have been made. Uh, that is a one-half point lead over the second-place contestants. And the uh, third-place contestants, there are three of them tied at 40 points, a, fur- a point further back of the second-place contestants. Overall, 108 of the contestants are at 36 points or better, which equates to exactly 60%. 45 of those 108 are at 37 points or more. That's a 62% winning percentage, and those 45 contestants are in current paying position to get full shares of the places that they occupy in the standings. There are 28 contestants that are tied for the final five playoff spots. That spots 46 through 50 as the contest pays 50 places and that's a shade under 61 percent winner so if you're hitting just over 60 percent a shade under 61 percent you stand right now to be in cashing position now compare that to the gold where i believe the contestant at the top who had been leading all season was 0 and 5 and we do have a new leader at 36 23 and 1 
That's 36 and a half points. That's 60.8%. As I just mentioned, that would put you in the bottom part of the pay position on the regular contest. But in this $5,000 entry fee winner take all contest, uh, that 36 and a half points is good for first place, a half point lead over the two contestants who are tied at 36 points. So what that is another way of saying only three of the 94 contestants in the uh, contest, the super contest gold are hitting 60% as opposed to 108. Of course, percentage wise, it's a little bit greater in the regular contest, but the point to be illustrated here is that for those who are willing to pony up the $5,000, at least this year, 60% has you right in the ball game to win the uh, uh, five, nearly $500,000. I know this, Andy, if knowing that going in, if people would have known that 60% would get you within the top three s spots of the gold contest here, there'd have been a lot more entries, but, uh, I mean, which we'll probably see next year because of something like that. But uh, bottom line is 68% leading the gold contest right now as we're speaking here. And uh, all up for grabs because we've still got four more weeks to go in the, uh, in the Superbook contest here. So we'll see exactly how that all sorts itself out. Before I hand it off to Victor with a question on the show this week, Andy, what about line adjustments that we've seen this week from Jay Cornegate at the Westgate Superbook from his early send-out lines to this week? Any line adjustments that you find to be noteworthy? There are a few this week. Uh, let's talk with the Washington-Dallas game. Of course, both of these teams played on Thanksgiving uh, Day and, and Thanksgiving night. Uh, last week, the Cowboys were roughly about a two-point favorite in this contest. When the line came out, uh, the uh, Cowboys were down to one-point favorites, and it's now actually flipped the other way such that the Washington Redskins are now one-and-a-half-point favorites in this contest. Looking at some of the other moves, nothing really spectacular. The uh, Chicago Bears were uh, about five-point favorites over the uh, San Francisco 49ers coming into this week. Of course, the Bears lost badly at Philadelphia. The 49ers uh, didn't lose, uh, weren't blown out at home against Seattle, but they lost in a one-sided game. Uh, nonetheless, that line has come in uh, with Chicago now a three-point favorite over the uh, San Francisco 49ers, opening at three-and-a-half and, and dropping to three. We still do not have any line on the Tampa Bay-Green Bay game largely due to the uncertain status of Tampa Bay quarterback uh, Jameis Winston, who was sat for a few weeks. There's thought that his uh, injured shoulder is good enough that he might get the start this week. However, last week, prior to uh, the events of the weekend, when Tampa Bay lost at Atlanta 34-20, and Green Bay put up a very competitive effort in the 31-28 loss Sunday night uh, at Pittsburgh, in which Brett Huntley finally looked like an NFL quarterback and played very well. Tampa Bay had been a one-and-a-half point favorite on the road in Green Bay uh, based upon Green Bay's poor performance with Huntley. However, I would imagine that when this line comes up, regardless of whether or not Winston plays, Green Bay might be anywhere from a pick 'em without uh, with uh, uh, with Winston in there to maybe a two-point favorite uh, with uh, Fitzpatrick still uh, getting the start. Uh, we've seen a little bit of move in Kansas City once again against the Jets. As Kansas City, another disappointment. They were a five-point favorite last week. Uh, they opened at three and a half, and they're basically at three and a half in most uh, contests. Uh, Philadelphia was a, a three-and-a-half-point road favorite at Seattle last week. They've, uh, they were opened up as a five-point favorite, and they've actually been bet up to as high as six, and I believe it reached six-and-a-half briefly on Tuesday before falling back. Those are really the, uh, uh, the games of note. We didn't see that much in the way of adjustments due to the fact that we didn't see that much of the way, uh, in the way of unusual results on uh, this past weekend. Favorites enjoyed a great deal of success, 
and the underdog upsets, maybe you would take a look at uh, uh, the Jacksonville losing at Arizona, but we didn't see much of, a, of an adjustment there. Jacksonville from an 8.5 to a 9, 9.5 point favorite at home this week against the Indianapolis Colts. Andy, one quick thought uh, about the Tampa Bay quarterback situation here, uh, and they're holding a line off on the game, and it makes me scratch my head a little bit. Uh, is there that much of a difference from a quarterback rating standpoint between Ryan Fitzpatrick and Jameis Winston these days? I don't know about the quarterback rating in the sense of QBR, but as far as effectiveness and leadership and ability to uh, move the football and direct the offenses, I don't see there being much of a difference at all. Fitzpatrick is uh, a well-traveled uh, veteran who had a fair degree of success. Jameis Winston still coming is into into his own, but uh, and I don't know how much the injuries had to do with it so far this year, but he seems to have plateaued through the first half of the season compared to the progress that he made in seasons one and two. So I would not see that much of an adjustment, but also let's keep in mind that when uh, there are changes at quarterback, it's not necessarily that the uh, lines makers believe that there are differences. It's the perception that the public has. And so that if all of a sudden you put up a line of pick on this Green Bay game and Winston starts, uh, the line will go one way. On the other end, if Fitzpatrick starts, the line might move the other other way. Warranted or not, it's the public perception and how the betting public will will react to a perceived difference in quarterbacks, regardless of what the lines makers think. The lines makers are looking to put up a number that's not going to expose them too much one way or the other. Aha, perception means so much in the world of lines in the National Football League these days, and that being the case in the Tampa Bay football game this weekend. Victor, I know you've got a question you'd like to run by Andy on the show this week as well. I do, and we touched on it briefly in our NFL segment, Andy, and it's this uh, huge court issue. It's reached the highest court of the land. The U.S. Supreme Court is set to decide on sports gambling. They're going to start hearing oral arguments on Monday in the Christie versus NCAA case, and uh, this is a huge issue. It's a huge issue for all you guys out there in the state of Nevada, for all of us who are in the sports gaming business, for all Americans, and there's a lot, who like to throw down a wager in any sort of sporting event. As far as I see it, Andy, there's about four or five different outcomes here, and I wanted to get your reaction to the last potential outcome. Number one, uh, of course, we're not going to get any sort of decision quickly here. It's going to take a long time and probably not till late spring when the Supreme Court actually comes out with some sort of a decision. Number one, they could simply leave the status quo Although, to me, this seems very, very unlikely because the Supreme Court took this case, we assume, for a reason. So option number two, the Supreme Court could declare PASPA unconstitutional, allowing the state of New Jersey to start operating their sports books immediately afterwards with other states poised to follow suit. This is something that some of the leagues oppose but must be prepared to manage if, of course, it comes true. Uh, beyond those two different extremes, the Supreme Court could resolve the dispute in a more technical legalese, perhaps making a New Jersey-specific ruling, a result that other states would not like. But the option I want to get your opinion on is what people are calling the nuclear option, which would basically ban sports gambling everywhere, including the state of Nevada to treat all states equally in that fashion. And I know that result would basically send shockwaves through the gambling world, and particularly in the halls of Congress. And, of course, it's a long shot. But your opinion, what's the, uh, 
What's the feeling out there in the state of Nevada for that possible nuclear option in regards to the uh, PASPA law? Yeah, I haven't heard much in the way of concern about that being a realistic outcome because it doesn't seem to fit into the facts of the case. Uh, the the concern with the, the PASPA law is that are you taking something away from states that you have already given the right to one state? Or, or let's put it this way. The way that law came about is that states had a period of time to act or if they did not act to legalize sports wagering, then they would no longer have the right to do so. So I think it's been established that Nevada was one of those states that had acted years ago, and so therefore that law could not be applied to them, or that a subsequent law could not apply to take it away. I think it's always come down to a state's rights issue. I've never understood also the reason why uh, the uh, professional sports leagues specifically, and even the the NCAA, why they deserve any special protection along these lines when you've got legalized lotteries. Not only that, you've got legalized wagering on horse racing, which involves human beings uh, as well. So I, I never saw the distinction there. The bottom line is I think it all it's all going to come down to money at play. And I think the professional leagues really through their science and or la- silence or lack of vociferous opposition realized that there is money to be made in this. I think what really spurred the league's determination to perhaps uh, not be totally vocal is the realization that despite their protests, their involvement in fantasy football is akin to gambling. It's basically got the same concepts where, especially when you've got the takeout by the operators, which is basically equivalent to the VIG, you're going to have some winners, Mm -hmm. some losers. And I think that the leagues realize that there's potential money to be made, especially with the issues that they've had in recent years with declining ratings. So I've always felt it was a state's rights issue. I think it was just a question of finding uh, a, a, a proper legal way of, uh, of raising that argument. I don't, I don't have a legal background, so I can't really comment beyond that. But it seems as though this law was never going to be constitutional, but nobody found the correct way to, uh, to, to challenge it. Or if they did, there were considerations other than uh, true legalities that influenced uh, previous court decisions. Visiting with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com and his comments on what is going to possibly happen with the Supreme Court ruling Monday about the PASPA federally acted law. Andy, before we let you go on the show this week, a lot of great content and information from you this week. As always, I know our listeners would love to know what you've got on tap for your complimentary play in the NFL. Well, I'm going to uh, tread into uh, uh, some difficult waters when I mentioned before about uh, favorites. In fact, I'll just go back over the last six weeks. NFL favorites are 54, 25, and 6 against the spread. That's a shade under 69%, including 22, 7, and 1 the past two weeks. With that as a background, I'm going to go to the Sunday night game between Seattle and Philadelphia. I mentioned that that line opened with uh, Philadelphia roughly a 4.5 to 5-point favorite. And the line has gone up to Seattle, uh, to Philadelphia as a, f- a six-point favorite, meaning you can get Seattle now, I've seen, at plus five and a half to plus six, depending on where you are. And I'm going to go with the experienced uh, Seahawks. Uh, they uh, play their best football down the stretch. They are in need of some wins. In fact, they can still win the NFC West. Uh, they uh, are one game behind the Los Angeles Rams. They already have uh, a win over the Rams, and they have to play again. So uh, they can continue to win. Uh, they uh, control their destiny in the NFC West. Philadelphia has all but wrapped up the uh, number one seed in the NFC. Certainly they have a one game lead over uh, a couple of teams or or over Minnesota, a couple of 
uh, two game leads over a couple of other teams at, at eight and three. Uh, but uh, they've also got a three game lead in the NFC East. But also, if you look at the schedule that they've played or during their current nine game winning streak, only one team that they defeated currently has a winning record, and that's Carolina on that Thursday night game. Otherwise, they've got four teams uh, that are currently five and six that the Eagles have defeated in this streak. And then the other four teams are amongst the worst teams in the league. Those four teams are a combined nine and 35. So I give a lot of credit to the Philadelphia Eagles. They've, they can only beat the teams on your schedule. They've managed to beat eight of the last nine. And uh, they deserve to be favored in this game, but I'm not so sure they deserve to be favored by more than a field goal or certainly no more than four points. When you look at Seattle's strong home field, now Seattle has not performed that well at home this year as they have in the past. In fact, they're coming off of losses in their last two home games, but both of those were by three points. They lost at home to uh, Washington uh, 17-14, and then a couple of weeks after that, uh, uh, they lost that Monday night game 34-31 to Carolina. So if they lose to this uh, this game against Philadelphia by uh, three points, uh, Seattle backers will get the money. Uh, they've got the experience of late season play, uh, having been to the playoffs the last half dozen years, roughly. And despite the injuries that have affected them, especially on defense, they continue to make enough plays to keep them in the game. Russell Wilson, I think, presents an unusual challenge for the Philadelphia defense. Uh, Philadelphia is going to stay out west. They've got games this week at Seattle, and then the following week at the Rams. I expect that the Eagles will not go 2-0 and on that trip. Might go 0-2. Realistically, I would think 1-1. One and one. and of, the, uh, uh, of the two games out west, I think the Seattle game presents more challenges because when you're going into the Rams, you're playing a team that doesn't have that much of a home field advantage, but more importantly, does not have the late season, postseason experience that Seattle has. So in a sense, the Eagles and Rams will be on equal footing in two weeks as far as late season experience is concerned. That's not the case this week in Seattle. Andy loves the value with the Seattle Seahawks in this contest. A game, by the way, guys, of which a canter gaming in Vegas before the season started saw Seattle installed as a seven-point favorite. Now they're a six-point underdog in the contest, and again also, if I could throw a little commentary in, at 10-1, Philadelphia can afford a loss. Right now, Seattle cannot. So Andy's with the Seattle Seahawks for his complimentary play in that football game on Sunday. Once again, Andy, a great job, as always, on the show this week. I'm going to wish you the very best of luck this week, and we'll look forward to our visit next week here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Mark, Victor, thanks again. It's been a pleasure joining you, and let's all have a great success this weekend. Thanks, Andy. That was Andy Esco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Vegas. Don't go away, guys. Victor and I are going to put the final wraps on the show. When we come back, I'll share with you my awesome angle of the week and our complimentary picture of the week from Victor and I. When we're back with more, quickly here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Have your morning coffee with Mark Lawrence each day when you join his all-new coffee club. Delivered in your email box the very first thing every morning, Mark shares with you his first take on the daily sports scene, ranging from top situational plays to handicapping tips and commentary from fellow coffee club members. It's a quick must-read for the serious sports fan. Join the coffee club today at playbook.com and have your morning coffee with Mark each and every day. You'll be glad you did. 
Attention sports fans, it's time to get in on all the football action at mybookie.ag. This industry-leading website is renowned for having the best odds and more betting options than any other sports book online. This is why Mark Lawrence only endorses mybookie.ag. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Get the odds you want and the fast payouts you need guaranteed. That's mybookie.a as an apple and g as in games. Tell them Mark Lawrence sent you. Only the biggest. Only the best. Only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today. And now, the moment you've been waiting for. From the hot South Florida sun, it's Mark Lawrence with his awesome angle of the week. All right, guys, let's get to it. This is a beauty we call our awesome angle this week, even Steven. And what we're looking to do in a college football conference championship game is to play on the dog in any matchup where both teams own identical records. You're even, I'm even, I'm the dog. I'll play on me, the dog, in these football contests. That's because since the inception of college football conference games, these dogs are 9-1-1 one, and one against the spread. I should say back to 2009. That's a 90% winning angle. This week we'll play on Fresno State and North Texas, both even Stephen dogs in their college football conference championship games this weekend. And with that, I'm going to hand it off to Victor King from King Creole Sports to find out what Victor's got on tap this weekend in at King Creole Sports going on this week. And just a quick note also that the NBA totals today will be available online on a subscription basis beginning this weekend. Victor, if you would, let our listeners know about the NBA totals today and what you've got going on tap this weekend, if you will. Absolutely. Our first month uh, was a great first month for this news publication for the, the addition to the Playbook family. And uh, beginning Friday, you can sign up for a month of the uh, Playbook uh, Totals Today newsletter or the full season. Either way, it's required reading. If you play uh, NBA Totals, you can wake up in the morning. It'll be in your email inbox. And uh, again, it's helped us go 10-4 and four thus far with our first 14 NBA over-under selections in terms of our service as well. Again, everything available at playbook.com. As we've touched on throughout the show, this is a monumental week in sports gaming, not just on the field, but off the field as well. Of course, an unprecedented historic week in terms of AP top 10 matchups in college football, conference championship weekend, NFL as well. And uh, we're going to have a NFL over the total in the early kickoffs on Sunday, another NFL game going over the total in the late afternoon kickoffs. And we'll be going over the total in one of the conference championship games. Of course, everything available at the playbook.com website. And for our free play this week, we're going to go to one of the games in the NFL schedule that's an under-the-radar game in which we're going over the total. And that's going to be the Detroit Lions-Baltimore Ravens game. I know what you're thinking. I just saw Baltimore play on Monday night, and their offense looked pathetic. They couldn't get in the end zone. They had to settle on field goals. Joe Flacco has lost it. I understand all those things, and there's a reason the line is so low in this game, and it might be the fact that, of course, the Monday night game just went under the total against Houston. This game opened at 42. It's even down to 41. There's even a couple of 40 and a halfs out there. 
With that said, however, Mark, there's been some sneaky over results as of late for both of these two teams. You may not realize it, but Detroit's gone six and one over under in their last seven games, including a perfect four and zero to the over in their last four. The average game home and gone over the total by more than ten points per game. And meanwhile, Baltimore's actually on a nine and two over run in all non-division games over the last twelve months. We've noticed an uptick this season in the NFL. I wrote about it in this week's NFL totals tip sheet newsletter in non-conference games. That's AFC versus NFC games. And this one is actually in the best situation. Since week two of this season, there's been 14 instances in which an AFC team was at home hosting an NFC opponent and the over-under line was in the range of 38 to 56 points. Guess what? All 14 games went over the total. 14-0 and 0 to the over. Wow. AFC teams hosting NFC teams since week two in that extremely large over-under range. With that said, our absolute favorite overwhelming situation is in play. It only happens three, four, maybe five times a season. The last time it happened was back in uh, October. When we used the Rams Cowboys over as our five star game of the month and cashed it quite easily. I can't explain it. All I do is reporting the facts here. But from our NFL database, all NFL games in which one team is off a Monday night game and the other team is off a Thursday game have gone 26, 4, and 1 over under, dating all the way back to 1991. You want to tighten things up in non-division play. These games have gone 19-2. Again, I'm not going to explain it. Maybe reduced rest versus extended rest. One team plays well on offense. The other team plays lousy on defense. Either way, it just results in a lot of points. This is the last game this season in the NFL. That applies in this scenario. We've got a pretty low over-under line. So there you have it, a game that's not on anybody's radar. We're going over the total. Lions versus Ravens, team off a Monday night game, team off a Thursday night game. We're going to ride it one more time, Lions-Ravens over the total. And don't forget our other overs this week in the NFL and in college football. And, Mark, best of luck to you with your college conference championship game of the year. Well, thank you so much, Victor. Victor is going to go over the total. Great stats in that Detroit-Baltimore game's outstanding numbers, 14-0, for his complimentary play on the football show this week. Be sure to get your copy, your subscription now for the NBA totals today. It's going to no longer be available as a no-charge download, but it will be available starting this weekend. The NBA totals today. Get it online at playbook.com. Before I get to my complimentary play on the show this week, I want to remind our listeners once again that our friends at mybookie.ag are offering up a 50% sign-up bonus up to $1,000. If you post money and add up, open up an account at mybookie.ag, all you need to do is call toll-free. The number is 1-844-866-BETS. That's 1-844-866-2387. Use the promo code PLAYBOOK to get your 50% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 at mybookie.ag this weekend. And speaking about this weekend, we're on the heels of our big five-star college football game of the month winner last weekend when Auburn took down Alabama. 
This weekend, I'm releasing my college football conference championship play of the year along with my NFL game of the month, the two-for-one weekend, all part of another $99 football weekend of winners at our late phone football service this weekend. To take advantage, log on at playbook.com or call me toll-free. The number is 1-800-321-7777. And when you do call, check out our college football bowl stat report. The college football bowl stat report will be working on and will be available December 14th. Order your copy in advance or get your copy free of charge with our double 10-star December. Check it all out online at playbook.com or that number once again. Get on board for the $99 football weekend of winners is 1-800-321-7777. My complimentary play on the football card this week, on the final week of college football this weekend, we're going to go to a non-conference championship game and take a look at UMass when they take on Florida International in a makeup game from Hurricane Irma, which canceled this game earlier on in the football season here. UMass comes into this contest playing their best football of the season. You take a look at this football team here. They're 4-1 straight up, 4-0 to the spread their last five football games, winning the stats by an average of 88 yards a contest. That's 120 yards a game net difference in favor between them and the home team who's losing the stats 32 yards a game net in their last five football games. So a combination of who's playing well and who's not heavily favors the Minutemen of UMass in this contest here. You talk about Florida International laying points. They're just in 20 games in their school history. They've been favored 20 times. They beat the spread only five times when they're taking on a 250 or greater opponent. With a team with 68 yards, the better offense and 74 yards, the better defense this year as opposed to last year, I'll ride with the Minutemen of UMass over Florida International for my complimentary play on the football card this weekend. And that's going to put the final wraps in this edition of Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. I want to thank our co-host Victor King from King Creole Sports, our good friend Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Vegas, and for our good friend Jack Reynolds, who we know is listening from above. Until next week, once again, this is Mark Lawrence reminding you to always remember to bet with your head, not over it, and good luck as always.